A cough evicts a strand in a split second. My pillow exhales in contention, the panic beginning to a day, Tuesday or Sunday metaphorically. A cough evicts a strand in a split second. It is surely yours. I pinpoint the thin snake in the corner of my mouth, the sunshine glancing through our ordinary blinds. I carry you in my chipmunk pouch outside for the procession. They must be burying someone today. Someone today will be born, the first time one hears birds. Maybe it is not yours, but in my union suit, the blues fade as I am confident I connect to you. The strand dangles from my lips like poultry between the wires in the blonde's barn, seemingly unending in its deathly depths, the misremembrance of an excruciating endeavor, the brother in his red face grinding metallic stars into being. The morning has erased the stars, the moon the conference of symbols in the ditch. I cling to the smell of tortillas trailing alongside the errant honk wistfully unleashed as the driver stretches for a fallen cell phone, far corner of the floor mat. It rings that tune captured by your black hair. It is like you have serenaded another misadventure and weird into existence, even in absence, the hues our lives blush into having overextended our periphery. Certainly you do not believe this. When they shaved your head to give the wound some space, your hair returned sympathetically. It was then you mastered the wail, the waltz, the whatever hum into aquamarine mourning. Do you still sing? Suspicious markings, turbulent nighttime give way to the transparent earnings of slumber. The black and white letters of the news skid into view, into use, collapsing the morning despair of unknowing, bewilderment without the being or the wilderness. Corruption of the unconscious is a necessity of jump-starting the day. I string your forgotten thread across my sturdiest fingers and begin to pluck. In return, the lone apple tree in this yard darts soft noise across the meadow you purchased with every cent the universe loans. Electrical current that powered your castle. Had peak shot gobs of nerve. The mysterious electrical current that powered your castle. Queen, goodbye. The bellhop at the pink hotel, he misses you. The avocados now heard the news. You went home. Non-smoking signs retreat in regret, embarrassment, and worst. I slept so well last night. No idea you found your next form. Silver in the marsh, some tear in the eye. To be in the car again, in that cloud where you finish your cigarette, hold a mountain. Saw an expectation in half. I will eat a thousand ice cream sandwiches. Goodbye, you. Your entirety prepares itself for turquoise spring or maybe banish the bits and come back. Doorknob ding. Mine is the thing with scabs, every doorknob ding, concrete scrape, mid-scrap scuffle or skate. I show the blossoms and blooms to every near eye in my room. Look, 
What happens is care becomes less, a thing stitched to an S or full. I am full of psych meds and curiosity. The flakes hold no permanence like I am this biological architecture, arches punctured by nails. My palms came with their own lines, lines I cannot read. Taxes, child crossing the black road. Sure as the cock crows, the windmill you hear but cannot see squilts, squeaks a squilch as one in knacks rust. Spam. Dada was an accident, just like dad and spandex and probably spam. Not super glue, though. Panic and a streak of death. A battlefield of open wounds and fingers voided. I glued back the knob you ripped off the machine. I imagine I can hear you groan at my latest delusional attempt at historic empathy, inserting grace like a polka-dotted feather stuck out the wing of a responsible adult. The flash you are about to see, it is real, clicked in Cincinnati by someone named Lawrence Furlong. The photograph contains a sandbox, a small child solving a problem, probably wearing a braid, and yes, it is a math equation, but no solution need not be needed. The experience as matter. A human, like a machine or a photograph, is a series of factors, moods, lines, quite frankly providing numbers and shades, often out of sorts. An adult labels moments, indications, disruptions with feelings like, I'm disappointed I can't go inside that fence. Instead, life does this. You wrote to inform. She is not yours no more how her dad collapsed. You wrote to inform she left you, and today you called to tell me her dad left this world, but only briefly, alive again in a bed, piped like a machine in a Pacabia painting. The snow here, it continues to melt, melting a form of being still, still being simultaneously. How stupid. You find some love to send your feeling, maybe a thing wrapped in a bow, a book, or sticks of jerky. You considered sending a goat to offer as sacrifice when the time comes, and to eat together when the time comes again. Oh me, I've lost my head in the medical waste bin. So the thing I've been thinking about this week in terms of poetry and this book of poems and um, my life as a poet and all that goodness um, is a, a question that I feel at the, uh, at the base of a lot of um, my friends and loved ones' reactions to poetry, to my poetry, um, and it's... It's this idea of well, well, that's great, but what is the use of poetry? And I think you know, as I settled, as I've settled these last couple of years into, um, for lack of better ter terms, an alternative lifestyle. You know, um, living out here by myself, uh, you know, not having a traditional job, making weird art, uh, managing my mental illness, accepting my mental illness, 
and then now growing um, as a practitioner of mindfulness, um, you know, I've, I see more and more um, that we live in such a utilitarian results oriented society. Um, we want um, to know what we're getting out of things, what like the direct, you know, this will make us lose X amount of weight. This um, will help us make this amount of money, that kind of thing. And, you know, art in general, but especially something as um, strange and as an art form as strange and multifaceted and um, expansive as poetry um, doesn't necessarily offer those direct results. You know, I got that a lot when I went and I got an undergraduate degree in creative writing and then I got a master's of fine arts and poetry and you know the question was well what are you going to do with that degree well I'm going to write poems and I'm going to live my life as a poet um, and those degrees certainly set me up to do that um, and for me that was always uh, good enough and and I'm very thankful for that but um, you know it is interesting to be so entrenched in poetry and poetic thinking, um, both as a reader and a writer, and then also as a liver of life. Um, I was joking with my friend Clark the other day that sometimes I feel like I've read too many poems to be a normal person in society. Um, and he was, I, I didn't mean it in a pompous way or in a douchebaggy way. I meant it, um, in a half joking but half serious way um of you know what poetry does and I'm going to get into this in a second is you know it offers us new ways of thinking and it and in a lot of ways radically changes the way we think and the way we organize thought and the way we express ourselves um yeah and so but I do think that poetry has a more practical use than expected. The more and more I got into it, you know, I'm 15 years into this journey and I just needed, and I always encourage people that they need to uh, adjust their expectations to unlock it. It's not so much uh, results, like what is the result or what will this get me thing as much as what it gets you are byproducts, but what it actually does is it, like I said, it shifts um, your perspective of the world and I think very useful ways um, if we give it a chance you know it makes me think of the William Carlos Williams quote it is difficult to get the news from poems yet men die miserably every day from lack of what is found there um, and yeah I think that's true I think um, you know yeah if you want if you want um to know what's going on in society from a like from an informational standpoint yeah poetry's not going to do it in a lot of ways but if you want to if you want to know the crux of the problem if you want to know if you want to get to um the depths of the issues in society if you want to um if you want to experience the experience of being alive through a particular person's lens or a particular voice's lens, then uh, poetry is a great place for that. So like I said, these new ways of thinking, um, you know, it, for me, I'll speak personally, 
um, reading and writing poetry, but especially reading in those early days, opened me up to new ways to think about grief, to process, uh, to act in empathy, to um, be to reimagine or re uh, recalibrate my understanding of logic, to reappreciate sounds and images and the music of language. Um, and so these are all the tools of poetry, of course, um, but they've also become useful tools for life. Um, you know, when, I, when I've had um, loved ones die or, or leave, poetry is a great place to go um, to, to, to be with someone, to be with the voice that has been through a similar grieving and to see how they've grieved and to connect with their grieving and not feel so alone. Um, similar with empathy, um, hearing s someone's story in a way that, like I said before, I think poetry um, is kind of a distillation of an experience down to a, it's the experience of an experience of an experience and it, it, and that doesn't dilute it, but that actually intensifies it, um, and electrifies it in ways. And I think, and so I've, I've grown as an empath in that way of understanding how, or seeing how people experience the world. Um, logic for me, I was always a very, I was first suited as a, I thought I was going to be like a mathematician or a statistician, um, I, I was very logical in my thinking when I first came to poetry and uh, and I, I find a joy in that. But it, the way a poem unfurls and the way a poem organizes itself has a very unique and specific logic. And, uh, and it opens you up to the possibilities of that in, in life. Um, and then just the joyfulness of certain images and sounds. Uh, I have poets I go to just to read. I mean, I can literally just pop up in certain books and, um, and just look at images or just read certain lines for the sounds, and just immediately be filled with joy in a similar way to, um, you know, when being surprised by a bird on the bird feeder, or, um, hearing a interesting thing, at the supermarket, um. Yeah, it poetry surprises us in ways that remind us we're alive, and that's uh, we all need that from time to time. But one of the things I love most about poetry um, is that because of time and because of the flexibility of poetry, because of the uh, energy of the spirit of poetry. There's all kinds of poetry. There's poetry for everyone. There's also I'm one that likes to read across genres, across time. Um, I'm a little insatiable about it, but um, I know not everyone's like that, but I think what's beautiful is that you can, there's, po if you say you don't like poetry, you don't like certain types of poetry, but there's so much out there. And so the place, if you're interested in poetry, um, I'll just do a quick plug. I think you should uh, look into getting an anthology. I love anthologies as places to go to go to you know they'll have a certain selection of poems um by a certain poet and all the poets in there 
are usually organized by some sort of theme. Um, there, there are too many anthologies to name. I thought about naming a few, um, but uh, yeah, just look up poetry anthology and find you find you one that looks interesting. Uh, maybe it's from a certain culture or a certain you know. There's there's anthologies about grief and about love and about. I bought anthologies for my friends who are having uh who are having babies that are like all about childbirth um i've bought you know their anthologies um yes kind of focused around all sorts of themes um so if you yeah if you're interested in, in an anthology let me know i'll let you borrow one um for sure but anyways um that's kind of the reading poetry part, but the writing poetry I've realized more and more um, is for me was when I started, it was in my friend group that I made in college of poets and writers of my saying, here I am, I'm here too, I'm writing this thing's proof that I'm alive. And as times went on, as things have changed, as my relationship to the poetry community has changed and my relationship to poetry has changed, um, it's still that. It's still the proof that I'm alive, um, that I'm processing the world, that I'm using those tools of poetry and the tools of life um, to be a person to and to process the world and to have a perspective. Um, you know, I had a really lovely visit with my friend Jesse the other day and he showed me um his gr grandfather's collection of poetry that he had made um for his family and you know they were all poem you know the poems were uh they they were they were just very heartfelt sincere poems you know we who cares about if they're good or not I don't really have I don't really, I'm not really interested in that conversation anymore. Why the sincerity and, you know, there are poems written for his family and poems um, sharing himself and his experience with his family. Um, and, you know, each one seemed to be dedicated to a different family member. And it was just, it was just so beautiful. And then just the pride in Jesse showing it and the, and the way that that connects him to his ancestor um, it's just a really useful thing. Um, and so I was really uh, grateful to get to read some of those poems and just, and to see that connection, um, and to see, uh, his grandfather's proof that he was alive and in, in many ways is still alive through those poems. Um, and so, yeah. And so I hope, you know, some ancestor or some kin of mine finds, uh, these poems or someone, random person with bipolar disorder will find this podcast when I'm gone and, um, and in that way, maybe I'll live on as well. Um, but, but yeah, it's, but for now, I'm just so stoked on poetry still after all these years as a mechanism, um, for, interacting with the world um so thank you for being here thank you um for listening to this um let's do a quick rundown of the poems five poems today 
a cough of Vicks is strand in a split second. Um, the strand in question there in that title um, is a black hair that I found um, uh, months after my wife had left. Um, and then, so again, I love when one little thing like that can spark a whole poem and a whole thought process. Uh, the next one is Electrical Current That Powers Your Castle. Um, and this one is in memory of Lucy Brock Broido. So, so she was a poet, um, a wonderful poet um, from New York, who I got the pleasure, she came in for a week to when I was at the University of Texas to getting my MFA in poetry. And she came in as a, as a visiting writer and did a workshop and helped us with some poems and uh, we had a great time and did a reading and had a wonderful time with her that week. Uh, and I had the extra pleasure of picking her up from the airport and helping her get settled into the place she was staying. Um, and yeah, and as a hit kid from Indiana to hang out with this kind of, uh, witchy woman from, uh, the East Coast, I was, it was an amazing moment of growth and connection, um, and, you know, when she passed away not too long after that, it really hit me, and this was my attempt at processing that grief. Um, Doorknob Ding is the third poem, and this one's a good example of what I was talking about with just being in love with sounds and images and the way they pop and they and they crackle and they they um expand uh especially when read aloud uh the next the next poem is called spam um and it the first uh four words is dada was an accident dada was a movement uh a french movement uh in the early 20th century and you know one of the things was they did all kinds of exercises uh, that left, uh, art to chance. Um, you know, one of the famous one is cutting up a newspaper article and then putting all the, but cutting up a newspaper article into the single words, putting them all in, um, a baggie and then pulling them out one by one. And that's your poem. Um, and so Dada really taught me the joy of the accident. And, you know, as someone who was, I think naturally more logical and more planned, it, Dada opened up in me a sense of play um, with language that is really important to me now. Uh, and the last poem is You Wrote to Inform. And it's kind of, it's in second person. It's in the you. Um, it's addressed to a you. But I think it's more like a first person you where I'm talking to myself. It's that self to self. Um, and I think poetry offers an opportunity there to have a dialogue with oneself as well. Um, and so I think that's what that poem's kind of doing. So that's the frame for that. Again, thank you. Um, and now I'll shut up and read some poems. First, thank you for listening. Thank you to all my friends and family for the visits, phone calls, and correspondences for making sure I stayed alive to finish this manuscript. 
including, but certainly not limited to, Zach Sadie and the Hunter Boys, Josh Cayley and Violet Lee, Jess Council and her crew, Jason Arnold, Steph Pappy and the Arnold Boys, Tracer Towner and family, Clark Moser, Darren Eaton, Marie Ponce de Leon, Paz Pardo, Enrique Lozano, and Elias, Jonna Henry, and Charlie Martin, Cody Van Buskirk, and family, Larry Nutt, Dan Keelish, the Murray family, Jamie Crawford, the Avant family, Jesse Bearden, Matt Spencer, Judd Ferris, Tim and Christina Durr, Gia Murata, Eric Matson, Hannah Margolin, Lacey Patterson, Heather Collier and family, Eric Clough, Lori Sauerborn, Brendan McLean, Melody and Marie Smith, Terry Tan, Morgan Jackman and family, the Tyner and Gobble families. Thank you to the artists that kept me churning during this process slash processing, state champion Dean Young, Mary Rufel, Landon Caldwell, Anthony Ray Wright, Sarah Shook and the Disarmers, Pete Holmes, C.D. Wright, the Felice Brothers, Maria Bamford, Abraham Smith, Ada Lamone, Francis Picabia, Bill Burr, Will Alexander, Ross Gay, D.A. Powell, Phoebe Bridgers, David Berman, In the Face of War, David Blaine, David Bazan, the creators of King of the Hill, May May Bruce and Bruges, Lucy Brock Broido, John Ashbery, Kenneth Koch, and Frank O'Hara. Thanks to the folks who gave me places to go to be both myself and someone else. The Elwood Disc Golf Enthusiasts, the Anderson Disc Golf Club, Power Barn, the Waking Up app, all the guests and friends of the Future Barn podcast, Bill Simmons and the Ringer Network, and the Windmill Tavern. Thanks to any mental health professional that has held my wobbly head, both figuratively and literally, over these past decades especially Ruby Joe Walker. Thank you to my ancestors for the guidance and the gifts, including most recently Fred Tyner and Tony Gobble, and most historically significant Joanne Tyner and Ricky Gobble. Thank you also to my teachers for their guidance and their gifts, most recently Ram Das and Sam Harris, and most historically significant Todd McKinney, and Dean Young. Thank you to the most supportive and patient parents around, Jeff and Tammy Gobble, for accepting my many parts. Thank you to the light that's gone away, Diana Lynn Small, for the years of loving and the lessons of leaving. Thank you to the light that always stays, Jenny Bug, for being a badass dog. <laughs>